love as Christ loved us and gave Himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. That there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not associate with them. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Now, you guys, when it says do not associate with them, what it's talking about is do not associate with those works of darkness. Because over in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, we're very much told not to pull out of the world. He says don't associate with those who are fornicators or adulterers or thieves or whatever who, are, who call themselves brothers. But he says, I'm not saying any fornicator or adulterer. Because then by, by that you'd have to come out of the world. And I'm not calling you to come out of the world. But here, when he says do not associate with them, he's saying do not associate with the works of darkness. Have nothing to do with those things. Be among the people who do them, but don't have any part with their works. That's his point. Be among them, but don't be of them. Therefore, do not associate with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. There you have it. That's what he means by don't associate with them. But instead, expose them. You see, folks, when you're around the fornicator in this world... You're supposed to be around them, but you don't cater to their sin. You, for one, don't touch it. You don't have part of it. And you don't condone it in them, but you expose it in them. That's what light does, folks. Light makes manifest. And they won't like you for it. They didn't like Jesus for it. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. That's what I just quoted to you in the King James. It says it, it becomes manifest. For anything that becomes visible or anything that makes manifest is light. You see, folks, that's what light is. That's what we're supposed to be. Light means we show people how it is. We show people the reality of things. Therefore, it says, Awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I want to start by giving you an allegory of sorts. It's not exactly one, but you'll realize when I'm done just exactly what it is. It's called The Stranger. And our brother Steve Hill sent this to me a long time ago and I put it in my miscellaneous file and I, went, I remembered it and I went back and I dug it out. It's called The Stranger and the author puts the story like this. A few months before I was born, my dad met a stranger. He was new to our small Tennessee town. As soon as my dad met him, he was fascinated with this enchanting newcomer. Soon after meeting him, my dad invited him to come live in our house with our family. This stranger was quickly accepted 
And he was around to welcome me into the world a few months later when I was born. As I grew up, I never even questioned his place in my family. In my young mind, he had a very special place. My parents were my teachers. Mom taught me the Word of God, and Dad taught me to obey it. But the stranger, oh, he was our storyteller. And how he could tell a story. He could keep us spellbound for hours on end with his stories of adventure and stories of mystery and stories that would make us laugh. If I wanted to know anything about politics or history or science, he always seemed to know the answers. He seemed to know about the past and he seemed to understand the present and even seemed able to predict the future. One day he even took my family to our first major league ball game. He made me laugh and he made me cry. But you know something? One thing about this stranger, he just never seemed to stop talking. And dad didn't seem to mind. Sometimes mom would get up quietly while the rest of us were listening to what he had to say. And she would go to her room and read her books. Looking back now, I wonder if she ever prayed for the stranger to leave. Dad ruled our household with certain moral convictions. But the stranger never felt obligated to honor them. Profanity, for example, was not allowed in our home. Not from us anyway, nor from our friends. But our longtime visitor, however, got away with four-letter words that burned my ears and made my dad squirm and my mother blush. My dad was opposed to alcoholic drink. And he didn't permit it in the home. Not even for cooking. But the stranger encouraged us to try it on a regular basis. He made cigarettes look cool, cigars manly, and pipes distinguished. He talked freely. Much too freely about sex. His comments were sometimes blatant, sometimes suggestive, and generally embarrassing. I now know that my early concepts about relationships were influenced strongly by the stranger. Time after time, he opposed the values of my parents, yet he was seldom rebuked and never asked to leave. More than 50 years have passed since the stranger moved in with our family. He's blended right in, and he's not nearly as fascinating now as he was at first. Still... If you were to walk into my parents' den today, you would still find him sitting over in his corner waiting for someone to listen to him talk and watch him draw his pictures. His name, we just call him television or TV for short. Now, my my sermon this morning is entitled Television and Our Children. Someone might have the question pop up right away in their minds. Why preach a sermon on television? I mean, after all, the Bible doesn't talk about TV. It doesn't mention the word television. I mean, aren't there a lot of other things that are more spiritual that I could speak on this morning? Well, folks, if you believe that the Bible doesn't talk about the television, you are dead wrong. It has much to say about it. Much to say. It's much like the Trinity. You won't find the word Trinity in there, but there's a whole lot said about the Trinity. It's the same way. You won't find the word television in there, but there's a whole lot in there that talks about it. A whole lot. And I'll tell you why I'm going to preach a sermon on it. You might not recognize it as such, but it is a very spiritual matter. It really is. Listen to me. There is a battle for the souls of our children. Do you know how I know that? The Bible tells us there's a battle. If the Lord gives us a spiritually discerning eye, we ought to be able to see that television is one of the doorways through which the enemy of our souls is striking out at mankind, and I'll, I'll add this, if he's given 
the opportunity. He doesn't have to be given the opportunity, but he usually is. He usually is. Our adversary, the devil, we are told by Peter, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And if he finds your children an easy target, he will devour them. He, we, we have to have, as parents, this understanding that there is a real enemy who is called the lion in the Scripture, who is seeking to devour, and he wants to devour our children. He wants to ruin them. He wants to damn them. He wants to harm them. And he's looking for opportunity to do it. And the television is a ready opportunity many times and in, in most households. That's the reality. The the thing is, as we look at the Word of God, and I think common sense can tell us, if you as a parent or a grandparent combine the television with your own carelessness and spiritual lack of discernment, you have just provided a suitable doorway for Satan to come at your children. Did you catch that? The TV plus carelessness and lack of spiritual discernment and you've got a formula for opening a door whereby that great devourer will definitely set himself to harm your children. I guarantee you that that is the case. Now, let's put this in a little bit of a practical light. Let's suppose... That you're at home and you get a phone call and it's one of your neighbors from down the street and they say, brother, or, well, they won't say brother or sister, neighbor, that's a good thing. Neighbor, did you hear what just happened? And they're all frantic. They say, neighbor, there was a truck that was passing through San Antonio out on the interstate highway and right, right near here. And it was in an accident and it rolled over. And you know something? That truck contained a lion. And it has escaped. And you know something? It's, the news report says that it's in our neighborhood right now. It's somewhere around here. And neighbor, I've got something else to tell you. And I don't think you're going to like this. But what they're saying about this lion is that it is the most ferocious and deadly to man known of any species of lion on the face of this earth. In fact, every single person that it has been able to catch, it has devoured. It has killed every single person that it's been able to get a hold of. Now, what would you say if that was a reality and somebody in your neighborhood just kicked the front door wide open and let their children play right there on the floor in front of it and then went off about their business? Just left the front door wide open, kids playing right there, living room floor, and just decided, well, they're going to go out and get in the car and go off to work, and they're just going to leave it that way. What would you call such a person? Careless? Irresponsible? Certainly somebody that better show a little bit more care and love for their children. Folks, if you were in that kind of situation for real, You're going to shut the door. You're going to lock the door. You're going to bolt the door. If you've got a gun, you're going to load it. And you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to go to sleep. You're going to be awake. You're going to be watching. You're going to be alert. Folks, this is what the case is in the spiritual realm. And Jesus Christ says, you stay awake. And you be alert. And you watch. And you pay attention. Because... And folks, He doesn't come roaring to the door. That's the other dangerous thing about it. He comes looking pretty nice. Because His tactic is to come as an angel of light. He disguises Himself. Stealth is the way He operates. Don't think that it's all going to be graphic. It's all going to be scary. Do you know what the Bible says? The world 
is in control of who? What does the scripture say? The world is. Is what? It's in the hands of the evil one. It's in his power. It's in his control. Beloved, what I want to get at today is you must view the television as a doorway. Just as much, not guys, a doorway. This doorway right here, if the street's full of lions, this doorway is not the danger, is it? The lions in the street are the danger. But what potential does the door have? It has the potential of allowing them to come in, right? If you kick the door wide open, they can come in. And so, a, a doorway in itself isn't dangerous. It isn't harmful. It's what comes through the door that's dangerous. It's what comes through the door. And a well-known favorite point of attack, folks, for the devil, a favorite doorway for him to come in at, if he's given opportunity, and I'll emphasize that, if he's given opportunity, a favorite point of attack for the devil is right here at the television set. And you know what? We, we, why wouldn't it be? I want to give you guys a few statistics. Now, I realize, folks, these statistics are likely, and I'm hopeful, I'm very hopeful that you will not even come close, any of you, to matching these statistics. But what these are, are averages for our country as a whole. So even though they may not stand up in your family, you are influenced by these statistics, and you have family members and friends who these things are true of. Listen to this. In the average American home, the television is on for 7 hours and 40 minutes each day. Now guys, I've gotten these statistics off the internet. You can do the same thing. I look, there have been literally at least, as of the time I saw one, uh, one report on television, there had been at least 4,000 studies done on television. And so, the, the facts are out there. The statistics are there. Seven hours and 40 minutes. I realize you can go to some that might say six hours and 45 minutes. But folks, six hours, seven hours, almost eight hours. In the average American home, the television, not, what a doorway. Why would Satan not want to attempt to come in that door if he is all given opportunity to do so? He definitely, if he's looking for a time opportunity, that's it. Seven hours. And all of the studies would validate this. The average American watches more than four hours of television per day. In fact, in one study I looked at, it says that our young people spend more time in their life watching TV than any other single activity. I realize school may take up more of the day, but they're doing many different things. But just sitting in front of a television set is the activity that American children are involved with more than anything else in their life besides sleep. And again, I ask you, if Satan wanted to get at our children, why would he not choose television as an instrument to strike out at them if he's given an opportunity? If he is. And, and from the standpoint of accessibility to everybody in this country, 99%. Folks, it's less than 1% of the homes in this country that do not have a television. In fact, 66%, that's two out of three, have three or more televisions in their home. 66%. This is staggering. I find it staggering. Americans watch a combined 250 billion hours of television per year. What an opportunity for Satan to impact a nation. In a 65-year lifespan, the average American will have spent almost one decade of their life watching television. The average American. Again, I ask. Why would not the great enemy of our souls desire to enter in right at this point? 45% of Americans, just about half folks, say 
that if they have something important to do, it is likely that they will use the TV to occupy their children while they do it. About half of the people in this country will admit that they use the television as a babysitter. Catch this. When children between the ages of two and seven, which are the most formative years of a child's life, between two and seven, 81% of the time they are watching alone and unsupervised. And when you go to the ages seven and up, 95% of the time they watch television alone and unsupervised. That doesn't mean that there aren't other friends or children around. It means there's no adult around. There's no parent parental supervision. Nearly half of all children say that they watch something different when they're watching television without their parents. If Satan is prowling about and he's looking for an opportunity to attack our children when they're most vulnerable, what better opportunity? Because statistics would indicate on the average, children are watching television without parental supervision. And you know what? Your children are never more vulnerable to Satan's attacks than when the parents are out of the picture. If you don't believe that, folks, all you've got to do is look at Adam and Eve. When and where did he attack? When Adam was out of the scene. He went to the woman. He went to the weaker vessel. He went when her head, her authority was not there. When do you think Satan is most likely to attack your children? When you're not there. When he gets them alone. When he gets them to the side. And obviously, they're being tempted to watch things that they wouldn't watch when you were there. By the age of six, this is another staggering thing. By the age of six years, you know what? Six years of age is what? First grade? What this, what the studies indicate is by the time a child gets to the point of elementary school, first grade, they just from the time they're born to six years of age, they have watched more television more time watching television than they will spend talking with their parents in their entire lifetime. Average American children watch more television from birth to six years of age than they will spend in their entire lifetime fellowshipping, communicating, learning from their parents. That is scary. Scary. 54% of four to six-year-old children when asked to choose between watching TV and spending time with their father's preferred television. Folks, when the television replaces parents, count on it. The values of the television will be what the child learns over the values of the parents. You know that's true. You know it is. Can I just remind you guys of something? If you're sitting there thinking, well, I have more influence, even though they might watch more. You know what? You don't have more influence. Do you know how much influence the television has? I'll guarantee you all these companies and corporations who fork out tens of billions of dollars per year on advertising know something you don't know. Statistically, they know that their dollars spent in advertising work. If they can sway you to buy into their philosophy, buy into their product, buy into their ideas and their lifestyles in 30 seconds, what will a decade of your life result in? They know 30 seconds and they can hook you. What do you think the devil knows about this opportunity for him to strike out? Oh, folks, the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. The whole world lies there. 
Ultimately, folks, we don't wrestle with flesh and blood. It's not so much the movie makers and the programmers, the people that set up the, the programs and the, the people who are in the actors. It's not so much them that we fight against. It is the principalities and the powers, folks. It is those wicked forces and dominions in the high places that we fight against. They are the ones who are controlling things. Don't you understand, folks? We live in a world that is predominantly the place of the prince of the power of the air. He controls the sons of disobedience. He controls the children of wrath. They follow Him. They are guided by Him. They are led by Him. And He comes stealthily. Oh, folks, even when it's not overt sexual sin and overt violence on the television, you know that the very world who does the programming and makes the movies, who designs the Barney shows and the different things on television that we can look at and say, oh, they're so harmless. Disney, you know, they don't swear. They don't do this. But you understand this. Those people putting together those things are in His power. And you may not see danger on the surface right off, but I'll guarantee you He has sinister plans. The world is in the power of the evil one, and they don't call Him the evil one for no purpose. He's called evil because He's up to some evil, folks. He's up to it. He's plying His trade out there. Beloved, we need to watch. The reason I'm giving you this, I, look, folks, I am not here today to tell you all to throw your TVs out. What I'm here to tell you today is you need to be discerning and you need to be watchful and you need to be on guard and you need to be alert. And when it comes to this, you better not sleep because He'll strike you right there. He will. Given an opportunity, He is waiting to strike and He will. He will. He will. We've got to be spiritually discerning. We need to walk as children of light. We need to be concerned with what is pleasing to the Lord. There are certain areas that I want us to give some attention to as far as our watching. Folks, parents, I want to equip you so that your home is a safe place for your children. That is my agenda. I'm not on any any other motive here than that. So, I've got 17 principles. Don't worry, we're going to shoot through them fast. I'm going to bounce from one to the other. The first two maybe a little longer, and the last one a little longer, but all the ones in between, I'm just going to hit on them and move on. And uh, the first principle... Christian parents, be ready to change. I mean, what I mean by that is, folks, Christian life is a life of change. It is. If, if your Christianity has brought no changes in your life, you don't have God's Christianity. Because true Christianity is transformation. It's becoming a new creature in Christ. Old things passing away. Old things becoming new. Don't fear change. Change is good. Sanctification is change. That's what it is. It's, it's growing. I mean, we all want to grow as Christians. Do you know what we grow in? We grow in knowledge. We grow in grace. We grow in purity. And what is it to grow in purity? It's to put the impurities out. Folks, the more you grow in grace, the more you grow in understanding, the more you understand about what darkness is and about what the Lord's will is, the more changes you'll make in your life. We all ought to be growing in that direction. Now, folks, one thing I know is absolutely true. Every single one of us in this room when we were lost watched material on the television that we should not have watched. Would anybody say they didn't? We know we did. And when God saved us, He brought transformation into our life. And you know what? We repented. We forsook. We turned away. There are things you turned away from immediately when you became a Christian. But Christianity is not stagnant. 
God didn't save us and then that's all the more. God saved us and now we're on this journey to Christ-likeness, right? And every step we take in Christ-likeness, we become more like Him. We grow in holiness. There's changes. Don't be afraid of change. God brings changes in our lives for good. And you know what? Just to... Just as it is with everything else in your life, you ought to be growing in your use of the television. You ought to be changing. You ought to be changing. Your principles ought to be being developed. There ought to be growth. There ought to be things that as time goes on, you will learn more and more and more and come to have grace to be able to discern more and more and more and an increasing knowledge of what is pleasing to Him and what isn't pleasing to Him. And as that develops, you put more and more of those works of darkness away as you become enlightened to them. Right? And Christian, if there's anybody in here that says, I've got my television and that's it and I'm going to watch what I want to watch. and Well, folks, you're, you're speaking like a person that's lost as anything. Because the heart of Christianity is submission to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we discern His will, we strive to do it. And if you're bent on having your own will, then you're not bent on having Christ's will. And so that's the first thing. Be ready to change. The second thing, learn the difference between faith and presumption. This is so important. Beloved, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is extremely gracious and compassionate. And there's no question about it. We all raise our hand and give testimony to the fact that He has done us good despite our failings. And He's done us good despite our sins. And He has not rewarded us according to our sins. And we can say, thank you, Lord. There is no condemnation ahead for us. And it's not because we were good. It's because He's been extremely gracious to us. But folks, on that note... We Christians can run in the direction of believing that because He is so kind and compassionate, we can presume upon that compassion. And we can believe that He will do us good even when we do bad. Let me give you some examples. Do you know that the Apostle Paul told the Galatians, you will reap what you sow. You know, he wasn't saying that to lost people. He was saying that to Christians. And so what was it he was trying to get across to their, to their minds and their understanding? Just this. This idea that even as Christians, you are going to get what you plant. Even though I'm very kind to my people, even though I, I love my people, I want you to understand something. My grace is not going to cover up all the hurt and all the harm that you'll get if you plant bad seed. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of like sexual sin. You know, we fall into it. There's forgiveness. There's love. There's compassion. But it doesn't remove the scars. If I were to fall into sexual sin, it would not remove the harm caused to my family and to my ministry. And, every, and you know, even when you're lost, just because you're saved, it doesn't make all the scars of your sexual sin go away. It's still there. And this is, this is the thing. You reap what you sow. Parents, if you have faith, and what faith is, is trusting what God has said. If you have faith, that God's going to save your children and do good to your children. Faith says, I believe God's going to do that and I'm going to do everything in my power to see that they're saved. Presumption says, I believe God will do good to my children. But then I allow them to sit in front of a television and watch things that you know He wouldn't approve of. Things that dull their conscience. Things that are going to ruin good morals, things that are going to encourage them to break God's commandments, things that are going to give them examples that are not Christ-like, and then turn around and say, I trust God's going to do good. Folks, that's presumption. And we need to, we need to get that clear. He is gracious. He is kind. He is compassionate. But you will reap what you sow. 
And if you put your children in front of that, expect to reap the consequences of that. Third thing. View the television as a companion. What do I mean by that? Well, you guys know, several weeks ago we talked about the warnings that we need to give our children. And one of the things that the Proverbs is very heavy on is warning our children about the companionship they have. Folks, do you realize a television is a companion? Just as much as a, you wouldn't want your child to run around with a l- wicked little kid in the neighborhood because bad company does what? Corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15. Bad company corrupts good morals. But you know what? A wicked little kid in the neighborhood can be just as much bad company. Just, just as much the television can be the same thing. The television is a companion. When you say your child in front of it, realize they're, they're entering into a companionship. What companion, folks, is simply somebody you keep company with. Somebody that there's communication with. And you better believe the TV is communicating to your children. View the TV like that. Where the Bible gives you warnings about certain types of companions, take that warning, not just with people. Take it to the TV as well. Take it right there. Because folks, there are people there. There are people actors there. There are people speaking there. There are people who are programming there. There are people who are writing scripts there. There are people who are putting together messages and ideas and philosophies and lifestyles that are coming through that television just the same as it is with a friend or a comrade that they might have on the playground or in the neighborhood somewhere. Treat it as a companion. Guys, you know what? If, if a stranger came to your house, some homeless person walked in and you let them in your house, you didn't know about them. Kind of a scary looking character. I don't think you would feel comfortable to just run out, jump in the car and head off to the store and leave your kids with them there all alone while you went to get them food. You wouldn't do that. And you say, and I could ask you, well, why? Well, you know, they, they might harm my children. Exactly. That's exactly my point. The TV, look at it as a stranger. In fact, what we need to do is eliminate the strangeness from it. Don't allow, don't allow just any, you're not going to allow just anybody to babysit your children. Be just as discerning when you select what you would allow them to be with and companion with that comes from the television. The fourth principle Protect your child's heart. The proverb says, keep your heart with all diligence, or in our ESV, vigilance. Vigilance means watchfulness. For from it flow the springs of life. Do you realize every single thing that you expose your children to impacts their heart? And every single thing your child does or says flows from the heart? We need to have this idea that it, doesn't, that it doesn't matter pushed out of our heads. It does matter. Every single thing that your children come in contact with is shaping them. It is affecting their heart. It is influencing how they view things. Everything. And from that heart flows everything. You put violence there, it's going to affect the heart. And a certain life will flow from that. If you put sexually, sexual immorality there, it's going to affect the heart. And a, a certain life's going to flow from that. If you just take... and This is one of the dangerous things about television. It's the God absence. You take hours on end. You know, the average, the average person watches four hours of television today. Television, for the most part, is God-less. You expose your child to extended periods of repeated time over and over and over, day after day, week after week, month after month, where God is just absent. That's what you're instilling in the heart. And a certain lifestyle is going to flow from that. Just be cautious, folks. Be cautious. The fifth principle, don't allow unsupervised television watching in your home. Don't. Why? One of the reasons is the statistic I gave you. Children will watch what they know their parents won't approve of when the parents aren't there. 
You say, not my children. They're too good. Your children are lost, most of them, and they will do it. You say, well, they won't won't disobey me. Well, I hope they won't. They shouldn't. But you know what? The problem is most parents have not set down the guidelines as to what they expect their children to watch or not watch. And sometimes they will disobey. But the point is, folks, we ought to be supervising our children. You know why? For their protection. We are their protectors. When our children are children, we are not to just push them out unprotected. God would have us to protect them. God would have us to be the ones to be there. You know what? You don't do that with your children's food. You don't let your children just eat whatever they want to eat. Why? Because you know that they don't have the wisdom to choose the right thing. And you, you don't want to do it with the, what they get from the television either. Why? Because there they don't have the wisdom. It's, it's like you don't want to just let them have whatever friends they want to have because they don't have wisdom there. They're, listen, folks, our children are not discerning and they're not wise. That's why God put us there and wants us to teach them so that they will be discerning and wise when they get old. The sixth principle, do not set before your eyes anything that is worthless. If you're not familiar with the 101st Psalm and especially part of the third verse, you need to be. This is how it reads in our ESV, Psalm 101.3. I will not set before my eyes anything that is worthless. Notice it doesn't say, I won't set before my eyes anything that's overtly wicked. It doesn't say anything about outwardly immoral or strongly anti-God. This is just simply a matter of, I won't put before my eyes what's worthless. Worthless. It means it has no worth. Worthless means no worth, folks. It's much like eating cotton candy. It's just worthless. It has it has no nutritional benefit whatsoever. Now, folks, when you take today's television programming and you squeeze out all the stuff that is overtly wicked, that is overtly immoral, you don't have a whole lot left. But when you squeeze out on top of that everything that's worthless, that just accomplishes nothing, it has no spiritual value, well, you have very little left. I will not set before my eyes. that. And you know what? We all have to sort out some of these things on our own because some things I might think are absolutely worthless may actually have some value in somebody else's life. So I, I can't decide all of that. But, you know, if you think about in light of eternity, what value there is in grown men st- sticking a ball through a rim. I mean, just think about it. I'm not attacking your spurs right now. But you just think about it. Think about the eternal value. And then, and then put that close to what worthless might be. And, I mean, these are things we have to weigh out. Is there value in what you watch on the television? How is it going to help me grow as a Christian? What benefit is it? We've been talking about that day. Remember, when everything burns up, if it's wood, hay, and stubble, folks, it's worth less. If the TV doesn't help you to acquire gold and silver and precious stones, it's worthless. It has, Folks, something is worthless if it has no eternal value. Weigh that out. Weigh that out. The seventh principle. Flee sexual immorality. Flee fornication. Run from it. That's what we're told in 1 Corinthians. Don't toy with it. Don't entertain it. Don't dabble with it. Don't expose yourself at all, ever, to anything that suggests it, makes light of it, presents it as normal or fun. 
Listen to this. Statistically, in a sample of programming during the 2001-2002 TV season, and folks, in 2005-2006, it's only gotten worse. But in in 2001-2002 TV season, sexual content appeared in 64% of all TV programs. Statistically, children who watch these shows with sexual content are twice as likely to fall into sexual immorality. We are told in 2 Timothy, flee youthful passions or lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace. God says, run from it because it will take you down. Run from it. That's no show of spiritual strength to see how close you can come to it without falling. That's foolishness. And that is presumption, folks. That is. It is never appropriate at any time. Never, never, never should it be allowed. Not under any circumstances at any time. Listen to what the Lord says. Sexual immorality, this is in Ephesians 5.3, which we read. Sexual immorality and all impurity must not even be named among you, as is proper among saints. If you allow any television programming in your home that has any hint of sexual immorality, God says it must not, should not, ever be named among you. Never, never, never. And if you can't control the TV to make it never happen, then it ought not to be there, folks. If you can't control instruments in this world without somehow falling into unrighteousness with it, then flee from it and get rid of it. You've got to be controlled people. You've got to be able to control this thing. You've got to be able to make decisions as parents that will not limit it, but never allow it to happen. God says it's never to be named among you. Never to be allowed. And you know what happens on television? It's there before you know it. You didn't know it was coming. You didn't mean for it to come. You wouldn't have allowed it had you known it was coming. But all of a sudden, boom, there it is. And now all you can do is react to it. What we've got to do is react ahead of time with decisions that are going to keep it from ever happening. God says, folks, It must not even be named among you. Not even. The eighth principle. Avoid the ways of the violent. The psalmist says in Psalm 17, I have avoided the ways of the violent. By the time the average American child finishes elementary school, they have viewed 8,000 murders on television. And by the time they are 18, they have seen 200,000 violent acts, including 40,000 murders. The proverb warns, make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. Do you know where all these violent acts are coming from? And all these murders? They're coming from violent people. They're coming from angry people. They're coming from wrathful people. Lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Statistics plainly show that this proverb is true. Children exposed to angry and wrathful TV characters who are bent on violence become more violent and more aggressive. And you guys, you know what so much of this violence is? It's some kind of vengeful retaliation. Is it not? You know what the scripture says? Don't retaliate. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Do you know what you teach your children when you show them TV shows that have these stars? The Rambo types, the Clint Eastwood types, and I don't know, I mean, those were in my day. There's different guys now probably, but you know what you do when you show your kids that? You instill in them the thinking that revenge is good, that it's right, that it's proper, that it's what makes a man. You see, they sell their version of manhood there. I'll tell you who the manliest man of all is. It's Jesus Christ. And look at how He responded to things. And He didn't respond like these television shows. And if Christ-likeness is the goal for our children, you have no business. And and the, the psalm says very plainly, That we should make no 
friendship in the proverb and in the psalm, I have avoided the ways of the violent. Avoid it, folks. Don't set vengeance as okay before your children. Beloved, Paul says, never avenge yourselves. The ninth principle. Covetousness must not even be named among you. Ephesians 5.3 not only says that sexual immorality must not be named, it says that covetousness must not ever be mentioned either. Now folks, you know as well as I do, just about every single television commercial that has ever been made appeals to the covetousness of man's heart. What's their message? What is the message of commercials? You will not be happy. You will not be satisfied. You will not be whatever. You will not be rich unless you have what we have to sell you. Discontent is the very motive behind the advertising in this country. It's full of covetousness. Their whole agenda is get you to covet their product so that you go out and buy it. The message is simple. Buy our product and you'll be happy. Remember this, folks. Covetousness is idolatry. Because you know what it says? Covetousness says you've got to have our product and you'll be happy. You know why it's idolatry? Because the Bible says you get God and you'll be happy. You see, it's putting something else in the place of God. Scripture says Christ satisfies the heart. The commercial says our product satisfies your heart. Eat at McDonald's or eat at this place or children, buy this toy. You've got to have this thing, this Barbie doll. Then you'll be happy. You want to know a little bit about statistics there? The average American child views 20,000 30-second commercials in just one year. By the age of 65, Americans have seen roughly 2 million commercials. Covetousness must not be named among you. The tenth principle, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking. Some of you may recognize this from Ephesians 5. For folks, today's sitcoms, they thrive on all these things. Christian, have nothing to do with it. Do not expose your children to it ever. The eleventh principle, redeem the time. The Apostle Paul says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of of the time, because the days are evil. Now let's weigh this out for a second, guys. Paul doesn't say, make use of your time. He doesn't say, make good use of your time. He says, make the best use of your time. How often can you or I say honestly, before God, when we sit in front of the television, I am making the best use of my time. I'm not saying you can never say that. I'm just saying how often can you say that? You know, Christ, well, for one, you understand man got along just fine for almost 6,000 years without ever having a television. Christ never assumes that we're going to do that. You know what He does assume? He assumes when you give, when you fast, when you pray, maybe when you visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction. Folks, you know what? If we really set ourselves diligently to do all the things that we've been commanded to do in the Scriptures, you ought to not be able to find a whole lot of time to sit down in front of the television. Honestly, you ought not to be able to. Because if you've got a lot of time to do it, I really suspect you're not being faithful and obedient to Christ in many areas. And I think, you know, if you're able to spend several hours a day watching the television, folks, you are not. There are, there are, some, there are some problems there. And I think if we sat down and we looked biblically at the whole thing, you'd find out real fast. No, there are, there are definitely better things that you could be doing with your time. We have missionaries that need to be written to. 
There, there is not a time when you could be talking to somebody about the Lord, either by phone, by Internet, by letter, face to face. Folks, Jesus Christ, when he was upon this earth, he went about doing good. There is a lot of good that needs to be done. And we are the ones that need to be doing it. Nobody else out there is going to be doing it. Lost people are not about doing what Christ did. We have been called to follow in his footsteps. And I think you and I all know far too well. Jesus Christ, if he lived in this day physically upon the face of this earth, would not have spent the amount of time that some of us put into television. Twelfth principle, take no part in the unfruitful works of darkness. So Paul says right again here in Ephesians 5.11, Christian, have no part whatsoever with unfruitful works of darkness. Maybe you wonder what these are. We have some lists given in the scriptures. I'll give you a list. You can find these in Galatians 5.19 and following in 1 Corinthians 6 and following. Sexual immorality. Have no part with it on television or anywhere else in your life. Impurity. Have no part with it. Sensuality. No part with it. Idolatry. Sorcery. Enmity. Strife. Jealousy. Fits of anger. Rivalries. Dissensions. Divisions. Envy. Drunkenness. Orgies. And things like these. In in 1 Corinthians 6, we have sexual immorality. Idolatry. Adulterers. Men who practice homosexuality. Thieves. Greedy. Drunkards. Revilers. Swindlers. Paul says in Ephesians 5.12 that it is shameful to even speak of these things. You know that there are TV programs that are exalting every single one of these things. They shouldn't even be spoken, folks. In Romans 6.21, Paul asserts the end of all these things is death. Have no part with them. No part. Thirteenth principle. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. This is the second commandment. God says in the third commandment, or this is the second, it's the third commandment, excuse me. When God says in the third commandment that we should honor His name and never use it in a vain fashion, do you suppose He meant that it's okay for you to bring a television into your house and let His name be drugged through the dirt on that television? Parents, You have no business at all ever to allow the Lord's name to be degraded and be despised upon your television set. Never under any circumstances. If you bring movies into your house that have that on it and you allow your kids to watch it, you are encouraging your kids to think other of His name than it is holy, holy, holy. You are bringing God down. You're dragging His name through the filth and you as a parent are allowing it. You have no right at all ever to allow that. At all. Fourteenth principle. Paul says, I will not be brought under the power of anything. Christian, the television has power to bring you under its power. You know what? Fast from it. Take, you know what? There's nothing wrong with setting... We're going to watch TV on Tuesdays and Fridays, and that's it. There's no problem with that. You know what? At times you ought to be able to say, you know what? We're going to shut off every TV in this house for a month or for a week. And if you can't do that, then you know what? You've just shown right there. It's got power over you. We are free men, folks. We are not to be brought under the power of anything in this world. We are slaves to Christ and to Him alone. Fifteenth principle, desire the sincere milk of the word, as the King James puts it, or as Peter in our ESV, like newborn infants long for the pure spiritual milk. By it you may grow up to salvation. You know what, Christian? You know that when you're in the word much, it gives you an appetite to be in it more. But when you sit in front of the television for a long time, it doesn't give you an appetite to be in front of or to be in the Word of God. It kills the appetite. It can kill it. Oh, there may be a few things that would encourage that desire. I have found some things that, that could be viewed on television that would encourage my desire for the Word, but not a whole lot. And you know that's true. Most things on the television will kill that desire. Folks, would it be better to spend an hour with your children memorizing Scripture 
or watching television. I mean, which is going to have greater impact, greater benefit on their life? I think, I think you know. That was the 15th principle. The 16th principle. I told you there was 17. Actually, I kind of interwove the 17th with the 16th. But this is kind of my wrap up here. 16th principle. Consider getting rid of the TV. The disciples one time after hearing our Lord speak about all the pitfalls and dangers of marriage, you know this, they said, if such is the case of a man with his wife, it's better not to marry. And folks, we might assert the same thing. If such is the case with the television, it may be better not to have one. Now some people, I know you're going to tense up here. You might get ready to cry out legalism. But just hold off for a second before you accuse me of that. All I want to do is ask you today the same question I asked you a couple of weeks ago. Why do you have one? I mean, the fact is, if so much that can potentially come through it is garbage, not just garbage, it's an access to Satan, one who targets our children. If it is those things, then you know what? You ought to start by asking yourself why you should eat. You know what? So much a norm in this country, over 99% of the families have them, that I think sometimes we plant one down right in the middle of the living room because it's just, we haven't given a whole lot of thought to it. Well, you know what? You should give some thought to it. Because the whole point is, folks, if something is dangerous, and you know the TV has the potential to be very dangerous, if it is dangerous, You ought to assume to start with that you ought not to have it unless, of course, the advantages for having it would outweigh the risk. I mean, it's kind of like having dangerous chemicals around your house or or a gun around your house. They have potential to harm my children. But I weigh out the advantages of having them versus the risk. And then I come to my conclusion on the matter. And that's, that's simply, I'm just simply asking you guys, if you're not to set anything before your eyes that's worthless, and you know the television has most, mostly worthless stuff, we ought to give consideration to it. You ought to consider getting rid of it. I have. I think you should. I think biblically we should. The second thing is, if there is enough positive advantage to having it in your mind, then you might think of getting rid of the cable. Because, oh folks, so much garbage is accessible through there. You know, it's a matter of spiritual discernment here. If you and your wife live at home all by yourself, you're very spiritually discerning, and you like to to watch the, uh, I don't know, History Channel. I mean, I'm, I'm intrigued by that kind of stuff. Um, or National Geographic. You know, folks, here's the thing. The TV can be an instrument for good as well. But we've got to be discerning. But folks, in the end, and this is really the, the 17th principle, you need to give consideration to the preeminence of Christ when you own a television. God's purpose is that Christ might be preeminent in all things. Christ is to have preeminence in your life. Christ is to have preeminence in your television viewing. Christ is to have preeminence in everything that your children watch on that television. Show your children on it the creation of God. Show them the world through it. Show them Hindus and Muslims. Show them the lostness out there. Be right there. Supervise them. Interpret everything for them biblically. Show them missionaries going off to the nation. Show them people making sacrifices for Christ's sake. You know, you might consider getting rid of of outside programming altogether. Get rid of the cable or get rid of the satellite or get rid of the antenna and just simply allow the DVDs that you bring into the home. That way, you're able to be very selective. You're able to monitor everything. You're able to see exactly what your children are watching. You know what? Parents, watch what your children are going to watch before they watch it. Or watch it with them. Protect them. 
discern, filter, interpret, and put everything in a Christward light. Everything. Show them. I'm not saying that you might not be able to find something valuable that doesn't mention Christ one time, but you know what? As you watch it and you're there as a parent, you're constantly putting everything into a Christward light. You interpret it. Or when something's said that's wrong, or when some evolutionary thing is said, when you're trying to show your children about wildlife and about the stars and the planets, and something is said about the Big Bang or something, you can immediately be there and, and put it in a proper biblical light. You see, the danger, folks, is when you let your children unsupervised, in, whether it's schooling, whether it's television watching, when you as a parent are removed. And television is just another instrument that Satan is using to fracture the family. And he wants it fractured because he knows the most dangerous families are those that the parents are most involved in instilling their values and their morals and their beliefs into their children. And he now has an avenue to take that authority out of the parents' hands and to place it in those who are under his control behind the media. And you know it's true. And so, folks, I've done all this. I'm wanting to grow too. And I want you to grow. I want you to make different decisions. I want there to be change. I mean, I expect it in myself. If, if we were a church that never changed, then we're not... We're not doing what we ought to be doing. And you know, maybe you've, maybe you've made as many changes as you think need to be changed up to this point. That's fine. But I hope God will take all these different principles because they're very much biblical principles. They're spiritual principles. And, and I don't think any one of you can find that, that these things are not true. They are true. And they are things that God has told us in His Word. All I simply want this church to do is not live up necessarily to my standard, but to live up to the biblical standard. That's what I'm asking you to do. That's what I'm asking you to give consideration to. Obey the Word of God, and it will go well with you. Let's pray. Father, You are the great manipulator of the heart. You can turn it wheresoever You desire. And I pray, Lord, that You would turn the hearts of these here, Lord, not ultimately to obey Me, but to obey the teaching here as much as it is of Your Word and to help those who do teach to be faithful to that Word. Lord, I pray that You would help us to, to make the TV to be a vessel that would bring glory to You in our family. Not to disdain Your name and to, to turn our children from Your commandments and from the character of Your Son. Oh God, give us wisdom. Give us determination to press forward and to change. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.